Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined once again today by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church, a member of the CLC, the Church of the Lutheran Confession. Our main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. How are you today, Pastor? Good. I'm happy to be back from Washington. I think that's the farthest I've ever gone for a mission festival service. But Yeah, how was the trip out there? It was great. It was good to see the congregation there and try to bring encouragement from God's Word. And um, it's, nice, it's nice to be back home again, though, too. So I'm glad to be back to business. Yeah, glad you're able to get out there and proclaim God's Word to those people. And, you know, it's always nice to, to meet others who, you know, are on the same pages you are with all these all these different issues and you know to, to see the fellowship of God's kingdom working in the CLC uh, in different parts of, of the world so uh, yeah I believe you have a devotion for us today pastor yeah we're looking at Romans chapter 6 verse 5 we know Romans is a great book on the doctrine of justification and along with the doctrine of justification we see really linked with that the doctrine of the resurrection of course because that justification of our sins leads to the joy that Christ has conquered sin and death as well. So this is an important verse that connects those two things together. Romans 6 verse 5, Paul says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the context of this again reminds us in early Romans chapter 6 where it talks about our sin. Shall we continue in sin that God's grace should abound? Certainly not. And so we can give thanks that because we have been united in his death, that what Jesus paid for us on the cross with his suffering and with his God-forsakenness, suffering hell, that full penalty of our sin, God's wrath against that sin, we rejoice in that truth. And if we believe in that truth, then Paul's saying that obviously we're also going to be connected to his resurrection. As we've been talking about 1 Corinthians 15, and we will a little bit more today, that whole idea is that if Christ has risen, we can have that joy. And we spent some time last week talking about those if-then statements, which we have one here as well. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, in other words, if we are connected to Christ's payment of death in that way, then ultimately we can be confident and certain that we also will be united in his resurrection as well to eternal life. So I love those if-then statements because they're absolutes when it comes to the, the Greek grammar, language. If we have this truth, this truth is ultimately going to be as absolute as well. And it gives us that great joy and confidence of our unity. Really, we have that idea of fellowship there. We have that communion. We have that unity with Christ in his death on the cross as well as his resurrection. And that's why we continue to rejoice in this Easter season, the resurrection of our Lord, and throughout our lives. That gives us that firm confidence in heaven. So I don't know if you had any comments on the if-then point of this, but I think it really means a lot to me to, to realize that we have this solid foundation in Christ, that firm foundation that still stands today, even so many years after it was completed for us. We have that confident victory in life and death, and it gives us that joy and comfort no matter what happens in, the, in our life. Thoughts on that? Well, I think that what I'm going to key in is what you said there a little bit about uh, how we can have this this foundation so many years after it took place, because that's one of the most important questions uh, uh, as to the, the Christian today, is how does the work of Christ, which took place 2,000 years ago, come to our 
hearts and lives today? You know, what relevance does this ancient history, if you will, have on our modern modern day? And, and the, the answer is exactly what it says in this text, is um, that we are united with him in the likeness of his death. And the way that happens is by, by faith. And specifically here in Romans 6, Paul's talking about baptism, how we're united in his death through our baptism. But it's, it's when we come to faith, whether that be uh, the infant at baptism, we had a baptism week and a half ago uh, of little Bethany Rose Landon in, in church and uh, but also whenever an adult comes to faith as well it's it's who you were before you come to faith literally dies dies with Christ and is buried in the grave and that's the point that Paul is making here that we're, we're united together in the likeness of his death that our former self uh, has been uh, buried with Christ in the tomb and is dead and it's gone forever and who we are now uh, is uh, uh, uh both new man and old Adam, and now we are uh, raised to newness of life. So we're a different person, literally, uh, than we were before we came to to faith. And that's the point I think Paul is making here when we're united with him in the likeness of his death, is he died and who we were before died uh, when, when we came to faith, and now we are a brand new person. Uh, and so now we're also looking forward to, Paul tells us here, that the likeness of his resurrection as well, which is, uh, you know, as we struggle through this earthly life, we do still have that, that old Adam and that new man inside of us that uh, wage war, and Luther reminds us to drown that old Adam in daily contrition and repentance. But we look forward to that day of judgment when we will be like him in the resurrection. And that's what Paul says, too, when that old Adam is gone once and for all, and we no longer have to have that daily struggle, that daily battle against our sinful nature, but we'll rather we'll be able, we will be like Christ, uh, raised uh, in perfection. That's a day we all look forward to. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we give thanks for this opportunity to study your word together today. We thank you for making us a part of that plan of salvation. You lived and died for all the world, and you have promised those who continue to rejoice in your forgiveness of sins the eternal life with you forever in heaven. Let this be our confidence in the moments where we are sad, where we are struggling with all that is going on in our world today, where we struggle with the loss of a, a friend or a loved one, we can have this confidence in the resurrection of eternal life. Lord Jesus, continue to give us this hope that always points us in your direction and help us to always rejoice in the Holy Spirit that moves us to believe and to confidently give thanks for what great things you've done for us. You have swallowed up death and victory, now and forever. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple of updates and reminders for you this week. Uh, once again this evening, uh, our Wednesday Bible class continues. Today is April 28th. Uh, 7 o'clock tonight, we'll be continuing to go through that What We Believe uh, section. And uh, Pastor is going to be uh, down at church, so he's going to be able to share his screen with that. So I hope you can join us for that. Look for the link in the Emmanuel Memo coming out today as well. Uh, coming up in the coming week, uh, this weekend is communion at Emmanuel. So if you are planning on joining us online and need to pick up communion, uh, that the we are planning on only having one pickup this week. Uh, that will be Saturday, May 1st at 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. So plan on coming in from 11 to 12 uh, for that communion pickup uh, if you need that at that time. Uh, also next week, Monday, uh, our voters meeting which was recessed will be uh, reconvening. Uh, it will be 7 o'clock on May 3rd and uh, God willing will be issuing a 
uh, teacher call to, to fill our vacancy there at that time. Uh, the also wanted to highlight for you once again the 50th anniversary of the church fire commemorating that important event is coming up. Again, if you're interested in, in uh, contributing to that uh, remembrance or if you have any pictures or, or accounts or stories you'd like to share, uh, please get a hold of myself and you can, you can do that. Uh, prayer list for this week. Uh, our senior class uh, is on their trip down in Florida right now. I've seen some pictures and some videos about their trip down there and it looks like they're having a wonderful time. So also talked to Pastor Sam Rodebaugh, who was able to get over there and, and preach to them this past Sunday as well. So thank you, Pastor Rodebaugh, for that. And uh, please uh, keep them in your prayers that they return safely from their, their trip down there. Uh, continuing in our prayer are Marie Meyer, uh, the sister of Grace Schreier, who's dealing with cancer, a uh, member of our sister congregation over in Red Wing, and also Lori Bren, uh, again, Carla Omanson's sister, who's uh, been dealing with brain cancer and has now been placed on hospice care as well. We keep Lori and Marie and the, their whole families in our prayers uh, through this challenging time. And that brings us to our doctrine of the day today. Uh, so Pastor mentioned before we're continuing our study through 1 Corinthians. Pastor, would you like to introduce for us our third section today we're going to be covering? Yes, today we're looking at the resurrection first fruits. So this section speaks a few times about those first fruits. The last two times we talked about in the first section of 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus' resurrection appearances, which gives us a lot of confidence in those eyewitness accounts, and there was hundreds of them. So it's not we're not just putting our stock in one person saying that they saw Jesus arisen. We saw many people. The second section we talked about the resurrection logic, how the Apostle Paul points to the fact that we mentioned the conditional sentence, those absolutes that if Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain. So how could we say there is no resurrection? But the Lord points us to this. And the first fruits really continues off that train of thought. If you look at verse 22, it talks about how in Adam all die. I think we would, everyone in the world universally, would, no matter what they would believe, would agree that everyone's going to die. They might not attribute it because of Adam, but the Bible certainly does. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, Adam and Eve, everyone is now going to die unless Christ returns first. But here, the Apostle Paul points to that in the same way that as in Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. So there's our confidence. If we are confident that, yes, someday we're going to die, as believers in Christ, we can be confident that all, all in the world, believers and unbelievers, will rise from the dead. As Jesus points out in the Gospels, some to eternal life and some to eternal death. And so that's where we get this idea of the first fruits, as you see in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, which I believe is definitely talking about the resurrection, because the surrounding verses talk about those who have fallen asleep, those who are dead, and here again, in Christ, all will be made alive who were once dead. So I'd like to ask you a little bit about Pastor Nauman today is your thoughts on verse 23, which kind of pulls us all together. If verse 20 talks about the first fruits, then how does verse 23 talk about Christ being the first fruits and then afterward those who are Christ? Maybe you could read that verse for us and give your explanation. Sure. So, so verse 23 tells us, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Uh, so, so, again, in the section just before this, Paul makes the argument, if Christ is not risen, we're of all men the most pitiable. You know, it, you know, if Christ is not risen, then what's the point of all this? And there is no point. And that's, that's the conclusion he reaches to. But then in verse 20, as you say, but Christ is now risen. And you might say, well, he is, he's risen. He's one of the first fruits. But Christ isn't the first person ever to be raised from the dead. 
We know that's true. If you go to the Old Testament, the widowed Zarephath's son died, and, and Elijah raised him from the dead. Uh, Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. Christ raised the, the son of the widow at Nain from the dead. Uh, many people were raised from the dead, uh, even immediately following Christ's death on the cross. So how is Christ the first fruits of those who have risen from the death? Well, it's not just in his the fact that he rose from the dead, but it's also the, the state at which he was when he rose from the dead. Because all those other people, you know, the, the son of the widow at Nain and Lazarus, all those people who were raised from the dead died again. Um, there's actually a tomb uh, that's, that uh, archaeologists have found that says, here lies Lazarus, friend of Jesus, uh, twice dead. <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, whether that's real or not, I don't know. I can't attest to that. I haven't actually been there. But um, the idea is, yeah, Lazarus died once, raised from the dead, but he died again. And so when it says Christ is the first fruits, when we talk about the resurrection at the last day, um, it says we the first fruits is the first harvest, right? And so it's the, the first apple that you pick off of your apple tree every year, knowing that there will be many more apples you pick off that tree later. And so with Christ as the first fruits, he was raised from the dead, but it's not just that he was raised, it's that his nature when he was raised, and he was raised in perfection, which means that when you and I are raised too, when that final harvest comes, when God will raise all the dead, we will be raised in perfection just as Christ is, uh, which ties in beautifully with what we hear in Scripture about how uh, you know, uh, Christ was made sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when we are raised in the last day, we aren't just, we aren't just going to be pretty good. We are going to be as perfect as God is perfect. We are going to be as righteous as Christ is righteous because that's the standard God sets for us to get to heaven. And because of what Christ did, he now will now see us that way. So when it says first fruits there, it really literally means you will be raised perfectly as your Savior in heaven is perfect. And when he harvests and brings you to heaven, that's that's the, the joy that we look to. And, and that's, that's really where this section comes to a conclusion, verse 26, where it says, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. You know, and I... I uh, we look out at the world today and it certainly looks as though death is still winning. You know, you can think of your loved ones, your friends, your relatives who have died. Uh, it looks as though death is still reigning and ruling in our world. And indeed, death still is very present. We can't deny that. You said earlier, second ago, Pastor. No one in the world denies that death is a very real part of life. But uh, for the Christian, we know that death is defeated. It just simply hasn't been destroyed yet. On Judgment Day, when we are raised again, when we are the the second fruits or the rest of the harvest if you will uh, on that day Christ will destroy death so death will no longer be a thing we will need to be afraid of uh, on that last day so once we're in heaven it's not like we're gonna have to be afraid of dying again uh, we'll be we will live forever and because death will be destroyed and conquered and uh, uh, because of that our Savior will reign in heaven with us uh, eternally and we have no no reason to fear that that uh, old enemy of ours death I think that reminds me, just the way you said that, the death of death is, sounds a lot like hymn 54, God me, O thou great Jehovah, says death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side, that idea of judgment day. And I really like the way you pointed to the how we're going to rise from the dead and the fact that Christ is the one who has not gone on to die the second time, even since the others have risen from the dead. We don't ever have to fear dying again in heaven. I know that question often comes up. And that really leads into Paul's next point that we'll talk about, Lord willing, next week when we talk about our body, about Christ's body in comparison to our body. So if we're raised in the likeness of 
his death and resurrection, well, what kind of body will we have? And then from there, leading into that confidence we can have in that as well. So I'm looking forward to going through those with you in the next couple of weeks. Well, Hymn 54 would be a great one too. Uh, the one that we picked out for today is from the worship supplement, Hymn 795. And this one is what I was thinking of in connection with the Christ being the first roots and afterward, then those who are Christ. So that looking forward to that resurrection triumph. So this one's called Then the Glory. Then the glory, then the rest, then the Sabbath peace, unbroken. Then the garden, then the throne, then the crystal river flowing. Then the splendor, then the life, then the new creation singing. Then the marriage, then the love, then the feast of joy unending. Then the knowing, then the light, then the ultimate adventure. Then the Spirit's harvest gathered, then the Lamb in majesty, then the Father's Amen, then, then, then. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.